You are listening to Pastor Don Cherry, recorded from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church on April 18, 2021. For more information about our church, visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social at svbcfamily. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, go to the book of Second Chronicles for just a moment. You know, this past week, and I've talked to a few of you, you know, um, this past week, so, you know, some, some had rough weeks, all right, some had good weeks, you know, kind of depending on the circumstance around there. Well, Monday, I kind of thought I had a handle on the message God wanted me to bring. And so I was going through that, I was kind of working, but it, just nothing clicked, you know, I, I, like I couldn't, okay, what, what points do I make here? And, you know, what's, what, what scripture do I need to bring in here? And, you know, th- that was just kind of my week on that. And so Friday came along, and still nothing was real clear. And it's kind of like, okay, God, you know, i got to be before some people in 48 hours. It might be a good idea to give me something here. And so um, um, I went back to my devotional study where I've been going to study. And I went back a couple of chapters and everything just to regather you know, what I was doing, just what I had read to make sure I still had a grasp on what I've read before I was going to move on. And when I got to the 15th chapter of Second Chronicles, and I think it's kind of like God slapped me upside the head and said, okay, son, I got your attention. Pay attention here. So this is where we're going to deal with. We're actually going to deal with two chapters in Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 15, chapter 16. They're short chapters. But um, let me ask you a question this morning, okay? A little bit of audience participation here. Other than David, other than David, who is a king that has stood out to you in Israel's history? Somebody who? Solomon. Okay, who else? Who? Okay, we're good. Who? Oh, you already looked at the book, didn't you? Oh, okay. Okay. Anybody else? A king? Well, here's the interesting thing. We're going to look, because when we do look at the kings of Israel and such, and then, uh, there's only a few that stand out. David, of course. Okay. Much written about David. Of course, his son Solomon. We hear about Saul, too, in 1 Samuel, you know, the very first king. But after that, Things get kind of obscure. You know, you just don't hear about a lot of kings. And the one that we are going to look at today is Asa. All right, we're going to look at him a couple of weeks and just uh, give you a little background. Um, Asa is the third king of the nation of Judah. Now, if you remember, after Solomon died, Israel basically split into two kingdoms, right? You had the northern kingdom that retained the name of Israel, and then the southern kingdom that took the name of Judah because of the largest tribe, okay? So you had the northern and the southern kingdom. Well, Asa here is the third king of Judah. He was the great-great-grandson of David, okay? So he's in the Davidic line and all. He was in the kingly line and such. But even though he reigned for 39 years, You don't hear much about him. You know, there's a couple things here in these chapters and things that we can learn, okay? Um, Yes, David was a great king. Solomon we've heard about. Saul we've heard about. Matter of fact, one other that came to my mind was Jehoshaphat, okay? Jumping Jehoshaphat. We might have remembered, remembered that. But these other kings you just don't hear much of. But here's the thing. 
they're in God's Word for a reason. Okay, and if all Scripture is indeed given by inspiration of God, then to look at some of these obscure kings to see if we can learn some things from them, then that's smart to do, okay? Because in their lives, and all there is something that we can grasp, there is something that we can learn from, there are some lessons and everything that we can apply to our lives today. So I want to look at Second Chronicles beginning in chapter 15 there. Now, like I said, we're, I'm going to just break some verses down. I'm not going through the whole chapters, okay? But I'm going to break some verses down, and I want you to see, I think you'll see a pattern develop here. And these are things that we can apply to our life, okay, as we serve the Lord both individually and as a church. Now, if you look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15, now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa. And said to him, now listen what, uh, what, what's being said. Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Those were the two tribes of the, southern, of the southern kingdom. The Lord is with you while you are with him. Okay, do you see that? If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. All right, now listen, what's being presented here is just simply a principle in Scripture that I like to call if and then, okay? If and then. In other words, God responds to acts of faith by His people, okay? So we take that first step, and God responds in kind. For instance, salvation, okay? Salvation isn't God's going to save you, okay? And then if you get down to it, if you get time, you can go ahead and confess and repent, okay? Not how it works, is it? Now, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, okay? We take that, that if, okay, then God responds in kind, and he saves all those who call. Another is giving. Think about that for a minute. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse. I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. That's an if and, if and then, okay? God responds to the obedience and faith of his people. And this is the message that was being conveyed to Asa, all right? So this isn't something that we just read, you know, uh, hit and miss in the Scripture. This is a theme all through Scripture we need to understand, you know, how God responds to those who act in faith. Now, if you would, jump down to verse 7. Verse 7, he says, but you be strong. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Okay? You know, being a king couldn't have been a very easy job. You know, um, I know, you know, maybe we say negative things or, 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 you know, critical things about the president, everything, regardless of who he is. But just imagine for a minute, another thing, imagine just being president of this country. It can't be, it, it can't, I mean, we'd be aspirin bottles right and left, you know, the headaches that we deal with. And being a king, probably no different, okay? I mean, you had a lot that you had to deal with here. But here the message is, look, be strong because your work will be rewarded. I think a lot of times we think that maybe some of the things we do, especially if it doesn't involve this platform, some of the things that we do, well, you know, it's just kind of menial. Yeah, you, you know, it's not really a big thing and all like that. But listen, everything we do for God, God will bless. Okay? I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're coming in and just, you know, washing the windows. I don't care if you're coming in and picking trash up off the property. I don't care. You know, I don't care what it may be. You know, when we, whatever we do for God, everything, he's going to bless that. 
He's going to blast that. And especially, you know, the key thing, right motive, right? Because God sees the heart. So you've heard often, you know, I've said God isn't so much concerned about what you do. He's concerned about why you do those things because he looks in your motive and God's going to bless that right motive. He's going to bless that pure motive. And that's what's being communicated here to, to Asa. Look, be strong. Be strong. I know, you know, the kingdom's divided, okay? And literally there was tension between north and south. These are brothers. These are all of the, you know, uh, tribes of Joseph and such. So, so, so they're brothers here, all right? So the, but there's tension. So it can't be very easy. It can't be very easy. But he says, look, be strong as you move forward. And then, you know, I want to kind of relate that, if I can, just a moment to the church. You know, we look around and we say, man, we're not a lot of people here, you know. We've got some age on us and everything. What in the world can we do? Listen, be strong. Because whatever it is that we do for the honor and glory of Christ, you know what? He's going to bless. He's going to watch over. He's going to provide. And everything. God doesn't care what color's on top of the mountain, okay? And everything. He just wants us to be faithful in what we do, you know, as we go. And so we need to keep in mind uh, these things. I think of that church in Revelation. I want to say it was Smyrna. I'm probably wrong on that. But one of the uh, uh, things about that that was mentioned that you got a little bit of strength. You got just a little bit of strength. You know, this wasn't a big church. This wasn't a mighty church. This wasn't a wealthy church. But you know what? You got a little bit of strength. Just be faithful in that what you do. Be faithful in what God, you know, has gifted you with and allowed you to do. And as a body and everything, to do what we can do for the honor and glory of Christ. Amen? Everything. Be strong in that. Let's not be faint. Let's not give up. Let's not look on the outward circumstances, but keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 9, if you would. Verse 9 to me is really cool. Then he got, can you say cool anymore? I mean, that's so 60s, right? You know, whatever, you know, I think it's a good term. Anyway, verse 9, then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin. So there's the southern kingdom and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. Now listen to this. For they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. You get a hold of that? So here's Judah. But now there are those in Israel, and they see what God is doing in Judah. They see what God's doing with this man's life, and they say, you know what? I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. God is doing something down there. I want to be part of that. And folks, listen, you, you well know excitement attracts, doesn't it? Excitement attracts. You know, if you've got a winning ball team, I mean, they're winning season after season. Or they're going to the world, whatever it might be. I tell you, you're there. You want to be part of that. But when you got a team that hasn't won in 10 years, like my Detroit Tigers, you know, I'm not real interested in watching a whole lot of it, all right? You know, even though I'm a fan, okay? But nonetheless, you understand where I'm coming from, everything. They, they attract. So this is both an individual thing. Number one, what is God doing in your life that would attract people to Christ? And then as a church. What is God doing in our life as a church that people would want to say, you know what, I'd like to go up on that hill. I'd like to go up there and be part of that, you see. And you know what, I'm just a believer. I, I, I think, you know, as much as we are seeing churches today compromise, I think, I, I really think people are seeking for truth. 
I think they're seeking for something to hang on to. I think there's something, to, you know, they want something that they can firmly plant their feet upon. Everything. And we have that message in the Word of God, okay? We've got, again, individually in our witness, but also the stance of the church, the message of the church that we stay true to the doctrine and everything and teach that in such a way that people can grow and they can find hope. They can find hope. They can be at peace. Everything because this is a restless world, folks. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. You know, just go driving around a little bit, go walking down the walk. We live in a restless world today because people, they're seeking hope. They're trying to find hope, you see. We have that in the message of the Word of God. So look, we see some good things happening there here as Ace is beginning. Now go to verse 14 and 15. Like I said, I told you we're going to jump around a little bit, but you'll see the pattern. Now these people came together. Then they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and rain. Do you think they were excited? You know what? How many of you, okay, I'm just going to ask a question. How many of you were ever taught, and I'm, and I'm not trying to blow anybody's teaching or anything like that out of the water, but how many of you were taught that when you enter the sanctuary, We were taught that, weren't we, in some ways? Absolutely. You know, and I know, Daryl, not on your head. Now, my dad's side of the family is Catholic. I know what it was like when you walked into those things and everything. You made any noise, you get wrapped upside the head, you know. But uh, uh, the, the, listen, the, remember that one, one song that we sang? Sometimes I feel like, what? Come on, say it, folks. Sometimes, thank you, Kathy. Sometimes I feel like dancing. Man, we're talking about getting excited. If we as God's people don't have something to get excited about, then you know what? We're shot. How are we even going to begin to attract people, you know, if we're in the same miserable condition they are? Come to the house of God. Let your voice be known. You know, a joyful noise unto the Lord. This is the time for the assembly of God to come together. And look, they came. Now, they were taking an oath here, but look how they took it. With a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets and ram horns. They were excited. Are you excited? About your walk with Christ? What's the old saying? Say, you know, hey, hey, if you say you're excited, then let your face know. You know? You excited about what God's doing here, what God could do here, can do here, maybe wants to do here? You see? Listen, this is how we are seeing some neat things happen. And all Judah in verse 15 rejoiced at the oath. For they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, but they never found him. Thank you. Thank you. You finally look into that. They sought him with all their heart and soul, and what happened? They found him. They found him. How does that connect with the New Testament, the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind and everything. And others as yourself. We sing that. How do others know that we are believers? Because we love one another, you see. And not just in word, but in deed, you see. Listen, God wants our all. I don't know about you, but he deserves our all, doesn't he? Because unless I'm mistaken here, a couple of weeks ago, we saw and we commemorate where he gave his all for us. So how can we give anything less, you see? 
They sought him. And you know what? They found him. They found him. But now, as we go on, we're going to come to a part where we're going to start to see the wheels fall off. All right? We're going to start to see this. And let's see why this would happen. So if you'll pick it up there in verse uh, 16. Now he, also, now he also, he removed Maka, the mother of Asa. Now that word should be grandmother, okay? But in Hebrew, there is no designation for grand, great, you know, like we have in the English language. It's just like mother or father. And you have to go in the genealogy or the context to determine how. So this was actually Asa's grandmother. So look what he did. He removed her from being queen. Boy, that's pretty bold, isn't it? Removed her from being queen because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down the obscene image, then crushed and burned it by the brook Kidron. So now, Asa did a good thing, didn't he? Here's his grandmother, but she's worshiping and she set up an idol to a Canaanite deity. Okay? And Asa said, no, that's not going to happen and everything. He took it, cut it down, crushed it, burned it. Man, that is a good thing. Hey, Asa's doing real well here. But what's the first word of verse 17? But. Remember I said we're going to start seeing the wheels fall off? Okay? Notice there. But the high places were not removed from Israel. But nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't say who his heart was loyal to, does it? That's a pretty good question for us. Where's our loyalty? Are our hearts loyal to God? Are they loyal to our jobs? Are they loyal to our material possessions? Where's Where's our loyalty at? Those high places, it talks about those high places were places where false images would be set up and people would go and worship them, okay? And you can read, you know, in the history, when you get there of the kings, in particular of Judah, there were those that came in and they tore those all down. They destroyed them whatsoever. But here, Asa didn't do that. I wonder why. Well, maybe his heart began to turn. Maybe his loyalty was somewhere else. You know, that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Well, that's a question we have to ask ourselves. So now let's look in uh, chapter 16, um, verse 1 through 3. And I'm, I'm not going to read that, but basically what is happening here is the king of Israel is moving against Judah, okay? The king of Israel is moving against He's taken some cities already. He's, he, he's making his way to Jerusalem. And so Asa, rather than depend on God, and be the king as he was supposed to be, he went to a heathen king in Syria, paid him some money, and said, would you go and take care of this? In other words, he got others to do his dirty work for him. That's what it got down to. Boy, that sounds like a typical politician today, doesn't it? You see? Remember, where's Asa's loyalty at? That's a question each of us have to answer, all right? And so we see there in verse 9 of chapter 16, if you'll jump down there for him, a prophet came to him by the name of Hanani, there in verse 7, and then um, and told Asa of what he had done. 
that God knew what he had done. And then in verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Now we saw Asa's heart was loyal, but it didn't say who it was loyal to. But here the prophet comes and says, God will honor those whose hearts are loyal to him. Okay? Listen, this is an individual thing. This isn't just church. This is an individual thing. Where's our loyalties? Okay? Where's our commitments at? God sees these things. That's what we saw in verse 9. God sees. You know, as kids, there are times that, uh, you know, we try to hide things from our parents, haven't we? We try to hide things from our parents. But for some, for some reason, they knew. I don't know how that happened. I remember, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a bad side of me. Okay, when I was, I think it was around in sixth grade, we were down on my grandparents' farm. Had a good friend, I'm not going to say his name and everything, because if he's listening on the um, live stream, I don't want to embarrass him anything. But anyhow, um, um, there were some loggers across from my grandparents' property that were, you know, knocking down some trees, you know, hauling them out. You know how loggers do. Well, they left some equipment there. One of them was a, was a, a big old a bulldozer. And so me and my buddy, we got down there, and we're, you know, we're just bored. That's all there was to it. You know, we were hanging out, you know, trying to find something to do. Well, we saw this big bulldozer, and we said, let's go wreck it. And that's what we did. We busted out lights. You know, we broke spark plugs. You know, I mean, we did all that kind of stuff, you know, to it. And I think just being stupid kids. So a couple days later, you know, a couple guys from the logging crew came up to the farm. And they asked, and man, our bulldozer was trashed and destroyed. Do you guys know anything about it and everything? And my grandmother, you know, she looks, she said, Donnie, do you know anything about this? I don't know. Lied right through my teeth, you know, on that. I don't know. I can just see it now. We got to fire this guy. But anyway, and everything, just, uh, right through my teeth. And so my grandmother, you know, never said anything about it. Probably about 10 years later. Matter of fact, I was married. Deb and I were married on this and th- th- there's just something, you know, I'd since gotten saved, and all this is something that just, you know, kind of, I don't know, just, in my mind, just bothered me. And finally, I was with my grandmother one time, and I said, Grandma, I said, do you remember that time, you know, the loggers came up to the house and asked if knew anything about how the thing got trashed? And she said, yeah. I said, me and Kenny did that. And, they, and she said, I know. I said, what? She said, oh, I knew you did it. Then why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you, why, why didn't you say it? She said, I'm just going to see how long it took you. I'm just going to see how long it took you. That thing eat at me for 10 years, and she let me go on like that. You know. Well, the point getting, you just can't hide some things from parents. And you know what? You can't hide things from God. I think a lot of times we think, you know, God, nobody saw this, so guess what? God didn't see it. No, the Bible says his eyes go to and fro, okay? He sees what is all going on. We, we, we just need to understand that. But now, look at that, and all that, whose heart is loyal to him. In this, you have done foolishly. You didn't rely on God. You relied on something secular. You didn't put your trust in the Lord and everything. Rather, you paid somebody else to do your work for you that you should have been doing as king. You've done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you'll have peace. 
We have war. Okay? Now, obviously, the Bible's talking about physical wars here. But let me ask you something. Have you ever done something stupid, something foolish, and wind up with financial wars? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You make some poor decisions or something like that, and then you wind up, you know, dealing with that, issues, wars. Or maybe you've done something foolishly, and you end up with health wars, or you end up with relationship wars, or you end up with employment wars, you see. When we act foolishly, the Bible says, you know, be not deceived, God is not mocked, but whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. We're going to face it, okay? So when we act foolishly, don't expect good. And this is what we're seeing in Asa's life. Things started out well, but now the wheels start coming off. Why? Well, hang with me. Look at verse 12. And in the 39th year of his reign, this is about three years after the prophet came to him, okay? This is about three years. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Now look at here, and and, and I don't want you to see how far his mind has been removed from God. Let's look here. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord but the physicians. Now, this is nothing negative on physicians, okay? But let's face it, God uses those that he has gifted in medicine to bring about healing, to bring about well-being in people, you see? I think sometimes we sit back and say, you know, I'm not going to the doctor, I'm not doing nothing, I'm just going to pray, God, and then you die. Now, yeah, sometimes God chooses to heal. God can heal, amen? You know, he is the great physician. He knows everything about it. He can heal. But, you know, often God uses those who are gifted, physicians, and I think, to bring about the healing. And we, all also should, we, we should always strike a balance. By all means, pray, but use the resources that God has given you. There's a real good story you might have heard of that there's a fellow who lived, lived in a house. They lived close to a river. Rains have just been coming. The river's rising, everything, and it's getting there close to his house. And a fire truck comes along and says, look. We're, have, we're evacuating everybody. The river's going to rise. There's going to be a flood. You're going to have to get out. Jump on the truck. We'll take you. He said, oh, no. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Like that. So the water floods the first floor. He gets up on the second floor, and here comes a boat. And the boat's saying, look, the floods are coming. This is, it's not going to stop here. This is going to be bad. Get in the boat. We'll take you to safety. Oh, no. My trust is in the Lord. I'm fine. Well, then the second floor gets flooded. The guy gets up on the roof. Okay, now he's up on the roof of his house, and a helicopter comes, lowers a rope, and says, "Grab onto it. Flood's getting worse. The house is going to be under. We'll get you to safety." And he says, "No, no, no." He said, "I'm trusting God. I'll be fine." Well, the floodwaters come, wash him off the roof and everything. And he die. He drowns. And he stands before the Lord and said, "God, I don't understand this. I trusted in you and everything. Why didn't you save me?" God said, who do you think sent the fire truck, the boat, and the helicopter? You see, God uses men to be a blessing. God uses men to heal. God uses men to counsel. We just have to understand and strike that balance. And so if you go to the end of the chapter, you'll see there in verse 13, Asa died. 
like everybody. You know, that's just part of it. But in these two chapters, do you see where Asa started and where he fell? Do you see that he started off right, trusting God and all, and then his heart shifted, okay? His heart began to shift. The Bible doesn't say why. Maybe he thought, man, I'm the king. Things are going great and everything. And all, and I can just do things on my own, which, folks, I hope we'll never think that either individually, even as a church. Let's never sit back and say, man, God is blessing. We thank God for some new people and everything. We're seeing our offerings do well and everything. This is great. We'll just keep doing like, no, listen, that is all because of God. And let's never forget that. Be obedient. Be faithful to what God has given us. And so what we're seeing here, folks, Asa started well, but he didn't finish well. Okay? A lot of us have started well when we first got saved. We were excited. Like the old preachers used to say, we were ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You know, I can remember when I got saved, I was 14 years old, everything, sophomore in high school. Uh, we were in church already, but I tell you one thing, there was just a renew. I just wanted to be at church. I didn't care if the doors were locked. I just wanted to be there. You know, what was going on at church, I wanted part of it, you know. Everything. I was excited about inviting people. Went off to Bible college. Man, this is great and everything. But you know what? After 40-some years, life kind of beat you up. And if you're not careful, you, 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 your, your loyalty, your heart loyalty can shift and go elsewhere. You know, the important thing is, and I think every one of us as a child of God wants to hear this, that when we stand before the Lord, He says, well done. Good and faithful servant. You know what? That's not just for the pastors. That's not just for the missionary. That's for every child of God. Well done. Good and faithful servant. To finish well. You know, that our lives might be a memorial. That our lives might be an example unto others. And that our lives might be seen as a faithful servant. I think of that, even though I only knew him three and a half years, I think of that of Brother Don Jones. You know, I didn't know him 40 years ago, but just in what I've known of him since I've been here and listening to you folks and everything, that was a man who was a faithful servant to God. And I can remember even, you know, before he got to where he couldn't drive, where he couldn't get out and everything, and everything he'd still show up on Wednesday night for Awanas. You know, I don't know what he did, but he was there, you know. And I know when I, when I came and everything, he was one of the first ones to really make me feel welcome and everything. Well done, good and faithful servant. May that be our desire individually in our walk with Christ, but also as a church. We don't know how long we got, you know. We don't. I've been hearing for 50 years the Lord could come at any moment. <laughs> well, here we are 50 years later. But you know what? The Lord could come at any moment. And we need to be ready. How will he find us when he comes?